Isaiah 7. And this is going to be on the cradle to the crown. Cradle to crown. Isaiah 7, verse 14. The Bible says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a son. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his saint Emmanuel. This would be a supernatural birth. This would be something that would be unique. It would be a miracle. And so with the cradle, with the manger, that Jesus would then be born and, and, and rest. We see a promised birth. This was something that was promised years ago. In chapter 9, verse 6, continuing on with the prophecy, speaking as of his present tense, but speaking of the future, and it says, For unto us a child is born, in chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth and forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts, will perform this. Think about about 4,000 years or so, there's a prophecy given to Adam and Eve. And we'll mention that in a little bit later in the message. But then 2,000 years ago, or two, two years after Abraham, here, not 2,000 years ago, 2,000 years after Abraham first hears about the promised seed that the Messiah would come from. 1,400 years after Moses hears about the prophet whom the Lord said he would send that would be like unto him. 1,000 years after David hears about a future king that would rule in righteousness forever. And then our passage here in Isaiah is about 740 years before Jesus would be born. So 700 years after Isaiah, Isaiah tells us of a son-bearing virgin. Then you have Daniel that writes, that speaks of a stone. And then there would also be a stone of stumbling that other prophets wrote of 600 years later. Nine months after Gabriel, the angel, speaks to Mary, Jesus is born. And so we see it was a promised birth from the time of before the law, in the time of the Garden of Eden, to under the law, to um, under Moses, David, the and the prophets, all spoke of this Christ child being born. And it would be a pure birth. As Matthew 1.18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused 
to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Verse 21, it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be of child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which being interpreted is God with us. So this is something more unique, extra unique, the most unique gifts. Any kind of background you can think of, okay? No, but he was pure, he was um, unique in that not only was he a man, he would be God with us. That he would be God in the flesh. And it was from a virgin birth. Something that scientifically, medically is impossible. But God supernaturally made it happen. You see, it was a planned birth as we already spoke about as well. But we see Adam and Eve and we see in Genesis 3.15 that God says unto Satan, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his head. So I was saying, okay, you're going to cause an injury. It's going to be well like a foot injury. Not forever mortal. Now you die. Jesus perished in the flesh. But he rose again, so it is but, but as if he just got a simple foot injured. But that Jesus, that her seed, that, 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 that um, Eve's seed, Jesus, would crush Satan in that head. A mortal blow. The prophet Micah told a town where Christ would even be born in. Micah 5, 2 says, But thou Bethlehem, Ephrata, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, it's a small city. Bethlehem meaning a house of bread. The place of bread. Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. Jesus, the bread of life, fitting that he would be born in a city that's called the house of bread. And he would one day be ruler in Israel. But again, this is not just some typical man. We see it says, his goings forth have been from everlasting. That he has a beginning only in the sense of when he became flesh. But as God, he was forever before, having neither beginning nor ending. He's the first, he's the last, he's the Alpha and the Omega. So we see it began with the cradle, but prophesied much before then. We see the consecration, the 
consecration to do God's will. He never questioned God's will for his life. He willingly accepted the burden that was placed on his life. Hey, as writers, let's be switching the slides. We're on the consecration. <coughs> never questioned God's will. If this didn't mean his flesh, he didn't ask and wonder if there was some other way. We see in his flesh. He didn't question if it be possible. But yet he surrendered to the will of the Father. In Matthew 26, 39, it says, And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. If there were any other way to save mankind, but there was no other way. And so he surrendered to the Father's will. There was a consecration to God's word. God's word prophesied of his suffering and death. Isaiah 53, 10 says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. And he would die. His soul would be an offering for sin. But yet notice that it says, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days. An early prophecy of the resurrection of Jesus. That yes, he would die, but he would rise again in accordance to the Father's will. We see a consecration to God's way. That this was God's plan. That Christ would pay the full price for salvation. That none of it would be dependent upon our works. It wouldn't be dependent upon baptism. It wouldn't be dependent on giving an offering. It wouldn't be dependent on anything that we do besides the receiving. The Bible says that to them that believe on his name, to them gave me power to become the sons of God. But first, we see in verse 5 of Isaiah 53, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. So this had nothing to do with his sin, because he had no sin. He was perfect, sinless. While we may, we may strive to sin less, he was perfectly sinless. He was without sin, but became sin for us. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. It's the only way we are able to have eternal life. Is the cross. First, it had to be the birth, 
And then Jesus following the will of his Father. And then that led to the cross. And it was a promised death. Although we've already read some portions of Isaiah 53. Let's read the entire chapter. It's just 12 verses long. Isaiah 53 says, Who hath believed our report? Though there would be some that would not believe. But to whom is the arm of the Lord prevailed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire. And he would just look like an average looking man. Didn't walk around with a halo like you see images that portray. Wouldn't really stand out from the crowd if it wasn't the work that he did. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. It was despised, and we esteemed him not. To picture being crucified. One of the most gruesome ways to be tortured and to be killed. And the people really not have to have a hard time even to look at that, to hide their faces. And they try to hide away the shame that would come with the guilt of murdering the Son of God was despised, and we esteem him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And the people in the day, right, he's being punished of God. And they were right, but they did not understand why. He was facing the wrath of the Father, so justice would be prevailed. So we all deserve justice. But God, in extending his mercy, had Jesus willingly offer himself as that sacrifice. That justice would be satisfied. Verse 5 again, but he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. His brought as a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Isaiah prophesies of that. The Psalms prophesy of that, that as he be crucified, he would answer not. That he would die in silence at that moment until he would say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then saying, It is finished. Before it happened, he was taken from prison and from judgment. 
you shall declare his generation, for he was cut off out of the land of the living, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore will I divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors. Prophets and their prophecy of him being crucified with others who were wicked, who were thieves, who were murderers. One on his left, one on his right. And he bare the sin of me and made intercession for the transgressors. And so we see a promised death was foretold about 740 years ahead of time. We see the purpose of his death. In Hebrews 9.22, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. That there would be no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. Before they would offer animal sacrifices as in an atonement in a pictorial sense, that is a picture, there would be a covering for sin with a spotless lamb. But Jesus would be that one Lamb of God, the God-man, who was without blemish, and would be offered up as a sacrifice. And to this day, Judaism does not sacrifice animals anymore. Can't really answer why. But we see Jesus tore the bell of the temple and gave us access. To the Holy of Holies. Now we don't need to go through a high priest. We don't need to go through a pastor to speak with God or to meet with God. That Jesus is that mediator between God and man. You see the power of his death. That as Christ forgave a thief on the cross. That through his death he brought forgiveness for, for all men that would receive it. Luke 23, 42 says, And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. This is one of the men that was being crucified with him. At first they both were mocking him. As you compare the gospel accounts, they both were mocking him. They say, oh, if he be the Christ, he could save himself. Save us too. And just in a mocking sense. But sometime in that time frame, one of them made a felt guilty. Thought about the weight of his own sin. And you see, uh, uh, perhaps seeing the suffering of Jesus. And then he begged for mercy. He said, Lord, remember me in thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, 
Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. Something else supernatural. Now when Jesus <coughs> was killed, darkness over the entire world, everywhere, western, eastern, north, south, everywhere darkness for three hours. Three days later, Jesus would rise again. Before that, Jesus restored the light. But Jesus, who was the light, when he was killed, there was no more light. Jesus does rise again, and so we see the power of the cross, that it would make the way that we all could see the light. We see the crown that Jesus would be one day coming. Many of these prophecies of the Old Testament, they spoke more of his second coming. Of when he comes again. That's why the Jewish people sometimes didn't understand. They knew the scriptures. They knew that he would be ruler in Israel. So they're like, how is this going to happen if he's being crucified? And so no wonder at first they fled and they forsook him. Like this must not have been it. But it was. And then when he rose again, and he met with the people. Bible talks about him being seen of around 500 people at one time. They asked him, they questioned him, are you now going to restore the kingdom of two Israel? It's not for you to know the times and the seasons. That the Father has put that in his hand. And elsewhere, Jesus said, No man know the day nor the hour, neither the Son of Man. He says, One thing you know. Be witnesses, both of me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. But he is coming back, his king. Christ ascended into heaven, now sits at the right hand of God the Father. Christ had finished the work at that time that God gave him to do. Um, Hebrews 10, 12 says, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. And so there's the crown of Christ. And he will rule and reign. We'll see down on earth, he'll rule and reign for a thousand years after a period of seven years of God's wrath coming upon this earth, that he will come back down with the saints from heaven and the angels and set up his kingdom in Jerusalem. And there will be a third temple, which to Jewish people, they're already got plans, they already got preparations, they already have materials. Now they don't understand no, that no one is going to be Jesus that comes back. They, they miss that aspect of it. But he would be in the crown. He will be ruling over all the nations. But there's also a crown for Christians. This crown 
There's five that are mentioned specifically. Maybe there's more. Five that are mentioned specifically. But they really all entail being faithful to Christ. You see, us getting to heaven does not depend on our faithfulness at all. It's on God's faithfulness to preserve us in Christ. And that he died for us, he rose again. And we believe that he died for us and rose again. That faith, God shows us that grace. It's not dependent on, do we, are we faithful to the very end? Do we keep doing good works? That's not what gets us to heaven. It's only what Jesus did for us. The Bible says we are preserved in Christ Jesus. But for rewards in heaven, for crowns. You know, the Bible talks about uh, how we may suffer loss. You know, we're not faithful. That yet we will be saved, the Bible says, but still by fire. That there's a trying of our works, a judging of our works, there's wood, hay, stubble, which burns up in the fire. But precious stones, gems, jewels, those abide the fire. And God knows our works, whether they had pure motives, and if the work itself was pure. There's crowns that he wants to give us. 2 Timothy 4, 7 says, Paul says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that also that love his appearing. And there's a living of our being faithful to the Lord now. That we're not going to be ashamed when he comes back. That we look forward to that day. Revelation 2.10, Jesus said, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, that ye may be tried. And ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. Speaking to a specific church in that time, but we see that there would be crowns. And then we do see uh, in the, the elders that the Bible speaks about in Revelation chapter 4, 11, 4, 10, 11, that they cast them before the feet of Jesus. And we all should have the desire to be able to have something to cast at the feet of Jesus. Christ came into the world as a baby. You know, the Bible talks about Mary, that when the angel came unto her, you know, I teach my wife sometimes, go look about the song, Mary, did you know? Yes, she did know. You know, the Bible says the angel told her what was going to happen. She pointed right back at me. You notice says, but she pondered these things in her. And yet she was told what would happen. But man, just to ponder the magnitude of it. And then to live through it. To see your son grow up and to do the miracles that he did. 
to raise people from the dead, to make the blind to be able to see and the deaf able to hear and the dumb able to speak, to see all of that. And the Bible says she would be pierced through with many sorrows. That would be at the cross. To see her own son. And she never had the discipline. Son that she saw live a perfect life. To be mocked, to be despised of men. To be crucified. She pondered all those things in her. During Jesus' day on earth, he taught us how to be saved. The Bible says he, Jesus says, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Well, the religious leaders of his day condemn him because he hung around sinners. <coughs> he says it's not a physician, it's not a doctor, or it's not the, it's not the healthy to go to the doctor. It's the sin. And Jesus talks about how they're coming. You know, and all of you knew what manner of sinner this woman was. And he uses this analogy. If someone owed basically a small debt, and his Lord forgave him, and then there was someone else that had this enorm enormous debt, his Lord forgave him. Which one do you think would love the most? Suppose the one that was forgiven the most. Jesus says, Yes, and this woman, though her sins be yet many, love of much. She's been forgiven much. But the Pharisees, in their pride, didn't even see a need for themselves to be they would not come to Christ. They would not come to his salvation. Jesus taught us how to be saved. He taught us how to love one another. Taught us how to love God. He died, he arose, and he ascended into heaven. This babe you grew into a man will come. This time he will return in the role of King of Kings and Judge. If you don't know Jesus is your Savior today, please would you make today be the day of salvation, the day that you place your faith in Christ. It's close to the word. Dear Heavenly Father, we give thee thanks, Lord, for the incarnation. That God, you would become flesh. That the Word was with God, and that the Word was God. That the Word dwelt among us and was made flesh. That you would be that mediator that would speak. God the Father to us. And with your righteousness, cover our sins, our iniquities. Take it upon yourself that we may have eternal life. 
be joint heirs with you in heaven. See, in your word that you're going to come back and rule and reign for a thousand years, and after a thousand years are passed, Satan will be loosed from his prison for but a moment to deceive the nations once again. But then you cast them, <coughs> cast death in You'll create a new heaven and a new earth that's not tainted with sin at all and will live forevermore with joy and peace with you. We look forward to that day. In Jesus' name.